0: 1 Corinthians 16, verse 22 will be our text for this afternoon. Verse 22. St. Paul says, If anyone does not love the Lord, he is accursed. Maranatha. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word and now to the preaching of his word. You may be seated, saints. This morning, we looked at how one who has been saved by God's grace shows itself, acts like it. But saints, we want to think that to love Jesus Christ is merely because we want to, but to love Jesus Christ, we see from St. Paul's words, is a command. To love Jesus Christ is a command. Again, if anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. This afternoon, saints, we want to consider this verse, which is two points. Number one, the command to love. And number two, we'll give briefly the motive to love. Let's consider first the command to love. When we consider the law of God, saints, we tend to think that All that the law details is simply the Ten Commandments. And there is some truth to that line of thinking. That the essence of what the law is, is summed up in the Ten Commandments. But saints, we aren't to err and think that God's law is only the Ten Commandments. For God's law is not only the Ten Commandments. But there are other laws, apart from the Ten Commandments, that Christians are bound to obey. Take, for example, the command to gather for church service. Hebrews 10, 24-25. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Take, for example, the command to love one another. Jesus says in John 15-12, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And take, for example, our text this afternoon. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Now, saints, this is without doubt a command from our Lord. And although this command isn't found in the Ten Commandments, the essence of what St. Paul is saying is found in the Ten Commandments. Remember, back in Matthew 22, when a lawyer asked Christ, Teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? He said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. So here Jesus says that the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. Now this command, along with loving your neighbor, best sums up the entire Ten Commandments. Well friends, if loving the Lord is the first and greatest commandment, then not loving the Lord is the greatest of sins. Again, if loving the Lord is the greatest of commandments, then not loving the Lord is the greatest sin. And saints, all throughout the Bible, we see this command of loving God repeated time and time again. In fact, if there's anything the Bible is clear on, is that we are commanded to love Jesus Christ. But here in our Texas afternoon, we see what the grave consequences are to those who don't love Jesus Christ. Let's consider this text by breaking down some of the words. Again, St. Paul says, if anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. This is language that we've heard before from St. Paul. He said in Romans 9, 3, For I wish I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers and my own flesh and blood. He tells the church in Galatia, in Galatians 1-8, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. This word accursed in the Greek means anathema. And this word, this pronouncement of judgment is reserved for the strongest and gravest of sins. But what this word accursed means, saints, it means to be excommunicated from the church. It means to be cast out. It means that on the last day, God will pronounce a harsh judgment upon you. That's what it means to be accursed. But if we were honest with ourselves, saints, if we were to take off our Christian glasses and hat, this is too severe of a punishment, is it not? I mean, we can understand Paul in Romans 9.3 and his desiring to be accursed, in order that his fellow kin will believe. Or Paul in Galatians 1.8 If anyone says that they can merit salvation upon their own good works, let him be accursed. We can understand that, accursing. But Paul, if someone doesn't love Jesus, let that man be accursed? That's too harsh. It doesn't make any sense. If I don't love him, then I'm cut off. But saints, is it really too harsh of a of a pronouncement? Is it is it really too hard? Is it really too severe? When you think about it, think about this, saints. How disgusting will we look at a woman who so deeply loves a man who's given the entire world, but doesn't show that love in return? How appalled will we look at a child whose parents love him to death? But that child doesn't feel the same way about the parents. Well, in the case of Christ, He's given you something far better than anyone can ever give to you. What does He give? He gives Himself. He gives to you Himself. Parents may say that they love their children to death. But Jesus Christ literally showed you His love by dying for you. Literally showed you, I love you, To death. In light of all that, saints, I say like St. Paul, if anyone doesn't love Christ, let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. This punishment is not too harsh, congregation. Because as we said in the morning, it is unreasonable to not love Christ. In fact, it is the dumbest thing you can do, especially those who are Christians, to not love Jesus Christ. It utterly makes no sense. Next, saints, notice the exclusivity of Christ. Notice Paul doesn't say if anyone has no love for doctrine or theology, let him be accursed. If someone doesn't love to read dead theologians, let him be accursed. He doesn't say if anyone doesn't love the things about Christ, let him be accursed. He doesn't say if anyone doesn't love the church or the people of the church, let him be accursed. Rather, he says, if anyone doesn't love Christ, if anyone doesn't love Jesus Christ, now why Christ? Because Christ is to have preeminence. Christ is always to have preeminence. Friends, who in your life has preeminence? Who in your life has preeminence? Who in your life has your whole heart and love? If we were honest with ourselves, there may be two or three names in front of Christ, ahead of Christ. I love my job. I love my children. I love my income. I love my house. If we were honest with ourselves, saints, we don't give to Jesus Christ the love that He rightly deserves. Every day, aren't we confronted with a test to whether we love Christ or not? When temptation rises, two options are put on the screen. Sin or Christ? Two ways of living are put on the screen. Obedience or disobedience? And saints, whom are we to choose? We are always to choose Jesus Christ. Always, saints. Always. If there's nothing you remember from me preaching all these years, remember, always choose Jesus Christ. Young people in school always choose Jesus Christ. And lastly, notice St. Paul says, if anyone, if anyone. This language is similar to what St. Paul said in Galatians 1.8. But if we are an angel... From heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you. Let them be a curse. In other words, what are you saying, Paul? An angel can come down, preach a gospel contrary to the gospel that's in the word of God. That angel himself, let it be a curse. Yes, even that angel himself. Even the one who has the most prestigious of doctor of, of degrees. If he preaches a gospel contrary to the word what well, the word of God says, let him be a curse. In other words, Paul shows no partiality. There is no distinction in man. D.C. Ryle says Paul allows no way of escape to man, to the man who does not love Christ. He leaves no loophole or excuse. A man may lack a clear head knowledge and yet be saved. He may fail in courage and be overcome by the fear of man, like Peter. He may fall tremendously like David and yet rise again. But if a person does not love Christ, he's not in the way of life. The curse is yet upon him. And he's a on a broad road that leads to destruction. In other words, you can know everything in the world. But if you don't love Christ, what do you know? You're not truly living if you don't love Christ. No. You're not truly living the way in which God has prescribed for us to live even way back in the garden. As we close, saints, this point, what have we learned? We've seen that loving Christ is a command by God. That carries severe consequences if we don't obey. And to add to that, if there's any, if there's any commandment that we should not bicker and complain about, it is this one. We may bicker and complain about other commandments, but this commandment should actually be the one that we go full force into. That we say, yes, I will, I will obey this commandment. And again, going back to our sermon this morning. Why? Because He's done so much for me. How can I not love Him? Saints, let's consider, lastly, the motives to love Christ. The motives to love Jesus Christ. How are we to consider the motives to love Christ? As if there's not enough, ample amount of motivation already. We can consider His person, which we should and ought to. We can consider His work, which we should and ought to. But just for our time together, our remaining time together, I just want us to consider um, the love that Christ has for you. The love that Christ has for you. Because you know, saints, many of you already know this. The more someone loves you and you see that love, the more you'll love them back, simply put. And the more you see how much Christ loves you, hopefully that will inspire your love for Him. So, first... Christ's love is free. Christ's love is free. This is much different than how we love, is it not? Much different than how we love. How do you love saints? You love because you're compelled to love. You're love because you're moved to love. You're moved to love. You know, I hate cats, but when I see those inf- when I see those infomercials. When they show those cats, you know, on, on a wheelchair or like in the street, beaten, battered, and bruised, I'm compelled to love the cat. There's something about that image that moves me to love. So my love for cats, my love for many of you, is not dependent strictly on me. It's dependent upon things outside of me. That causes my love. We, in many ways, are wooed to love. But Christ loves you freely. I mean, just think of that, saints. Christ loves you freely. Meaning, let me put it in other words, Christ didn't have to love you. He did not have to love you. He did not have to die for you. And the more we understand that, the more of the greatness of his love for us will become that he did not have to mind you, because God is not obligated to do anything, but he does so. there was nothing in us that drew christ's love towards you. This is why when we say that God loved us before the foundation of the world com- makes complete it sounds like nonsense <laughs> considering. How we love. How can He love me? But He does. There is nothing beautiful about us, saints. And in light of such truth, in light of Jesus Christ, loving us most freely, the question I have for you, saints, is will you love Him most dearly? If Christ loves you most freely, will you love Him most dearly? Since there is nothing that motivated Christ's love towards you, will you not love Christ, in whom there are so many motives to love him? As one says, He loved you most freely when you were most ugly. Will you not return that love to the one who is altogether lovely? Secondly, Christ's love is true. Christ loves you with the truest love. Oh, isn't that we look that's what we look for in a companion, is it not? I want your love to be sincere, to be true. Friends, consider all the people in your life that love you. Now ask yourself, why do they love you? There's many friends that I had that I thought loved me. And for one reason or another, we fell out of love for one another. You'll discover, saints, in our lives that people love us in many ways and for many motivations. Your parents might love you because you're their child. If you weren't their child, they probably wouldn't love you. (laughs) People love you because of what they can get from you. Because you're funny. You can make them laugh. You have money. You can give them money. Buy them something. And there are some other ways we can think of people loving us, saints. But this can't be said of Christ's love towards us. Christ's love towards us is not a fake dollar. Christ's love towards us is not counterfeit money. Christ's love towards us is not a counterfeit love. It is a real love. It is not a selfish love or a love that it's out for its own ends. You know people like that. They love you because of what you can do for them. That's many that's how your job thinks of you, mind you. They love you for what you can do for them. Jesus Christ does not love us to receive any good from us. You know, Christ says, I will love them because man, I'm so lonely and I need love in return. That's not the reason why he loves you. Rather, he loves you in order that he might do good unto you. Not that you may do good to him, that he might bestow goodness upon you. While others have reasons why they love you, Christ loves you because of Christ. Why does God love us? Because God loves us. I don't know. That's the reason because of Christ. He doesn't love you because he needs love in return, but rather he loves you out of his good will and pleasure. And lastly, Saints, Christ's love is sure. Christ loves us with the surest of love. Love is something that there is is there at one moment and it's gone the next. You know, it's like a, it's like an alfalfa, Darla type of love. You know, you, she, she loves me, she loves me now, she loves... That's how we can think of love. And that's how love is in many ways. That our love is on a roller coaster. That there are many friends who we used to love and have the deepest love for. And now no flame can be found. There are many people who are married, love each other, cannot think of themselves apart from one another. And then what happens? The flame of love flares out and they don't love each other any longer. But saints, praise be to God that this is not the case with Christ. Since Christ has loved you since the days of eternity, that he will continue to love you. I've said this many, many times before in this pulpit, but the greatest evidence that God loves you is that it never, he never began to love you. You know, you begin to love. There's a, there's a starting point to your love. There's not a, there's not a starting point. And also, let me say this, saints, there's not an expiration date on God's love for you. There's not an expiration date for God's love for you. If He loves you once, He will love you to the end. The love of Christ is not subject to mutations or changes like ours. The love of Christ admits of no changing. It knows no end. Saints, if we lag in our love for Christ, He will not fail in His love for us. And although at times, saints, you may be offended or feel offended by Him, He may indeed withdraw the manifestations of His love toward you, but He will never wholly remove His love for you or from you. There's pretty more we can say, saints. But the heart of the matter is this. Jesus Christ is God who lived, died for you, and rose for you. And what more motivation do we need to love him? As we close, the question that we must be answered is, how do we love Christ? Jesus says in John fourteen sixteen, If you love me, keep my commandments. Simply put, how do you show your love for Christ? Obey him. Obey him. That is the great hallmark of the Christian life. Without obedience to God, simply put, you're not a Christian. Without obedience to our Lord, simply put, you are not a Christian. The first way we show that we love Christ is by obeying obeying all of what He commands. Secondly, how we can show our love for Christ is by reading the Bible. Reading the Bible. Thomas Vinson, an old Puritan, he says, The Scriptures are Christ's love letters. The Word of God is the glass by which we can see our love of Christ on display. We show our love for Christ by praying. Each day we should be praying that God will not blow out our love for Christ, but continue to heighten our love for Christ. We show our love for Christ by faith. Hebrews 11, 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and the conviction of things not seen. The more faith you have in Christ, the more love you'll have for Christ. We show uh, our our love for Christ, also saints, by fighting sin. That we shouldn't hate sins, or we should hate sin, saints. You know, I was reading a, an old Puritan once, and he said that sin, and when we love sin, is like loving the knife that cuts our husband's throat. Will, will we love that? Will we love the knife? Will we love the sin that put him there, the very sin that he died for? Will we love that sin? Of course not. And that's how we are to think of sin. It was this sin that our Christ died for. Why am I trying to resurrect this sin? Why am I trying to bring this sin back to life when it was nailed to the cross and put in the grave? Kill sin daily, saints. Kill sin daily. This might be not said enough from this pulpit, but let me remind you, kill sin every single day. Do not let sin enter into any room of your heart. For the more room sin has in your hearts, the less room Christ has in your heart. And lastly, we show our love for Christ by loving one another. You all do this beautifully and wonderfully, saints. Let me just say, you all do this beautifully and wonderfully. Hebrews 13.1 Let brotherly love continue. The beloved John says, 1 John 4.20 If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. How do you show your love for Christ, saints? Loving the brother, because what does Christ say? Whatever you do to the least of these, you do unto me. Whatever you do unto the least of these, you do unto me. You say to yourself, "How can I? How can I show my love for Christ by loving my brother? Because by loving my brother, I'm also loving Christ. And we can even expand this to even loving the poor. We can expand this to even loving those outside of the church community. So saints, I hope this day you saw enough ample evidence and reason to love your God. If anything, as Pastor Antonio said last Sunday, teaching this Sabbath sermon is really a reminder to you, and I hope that this was a reminder to you. We need to be reminded, we need to be refreshed, but also we need to rehearse these things. We need to rehearse these things. We need to ingrain them within our minds. And so Saints, I hope that the morning and afternoon we were, you were blessed by these sermons by which we can cling to and love our Christ in light of more. Let's pray.